The views and opinions expressed by the guest or guests in this episode are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of TOTS Podcast or its affiliates. TOTS Podcast does not condone illegal activity and viewers and listeners should consult their own local, state, and federal regulations. TOTS Podcast takes no responsibility for the actions of its listeners, viewers, or guests. Hello and welcome to another episode of TOTS. I'm your host, Ben Gardner. Today on the show, we have Drew Vesh Patel. He is the founder and CEO of Native Hemp. Drew, welcome to the show. Hey, Ben. It's a pleasure having you. Well, having me, I guess. Thank you. It, <laughs> listen, man, it's a pleasure having you on the show. Um, why don't you start off by telling me a little bit about yourself and what you're doing currently? Yeah, man. Um, so... Uh, Always been a natural entrepreneur. Um, I'd like to call myself that, but I know a lot of people call themselves that nowadays, but I'll, I'll break into it a little bit. Uh, uh, you know, I've been running a lot of our family's businesses since I was um, 12 years old in terms of the bookkeeping side. Uh, they have a bunch of liquor stores out of Prince George's County, which is a local county in Maryland. Um, that's where I'm born and raised. Uh, and, you know, a little bit after that, I kind of wanted to venture off into trying different things. I started at tech company by the time I was uh, 16 or 17, I believe. And uh, yeah, we quickly scaled it up. We were um, pretty big in the county. Uh, it was a tech company that specialized behind personalized education and tailoring the education curriculum to each individual student. We used a program called MindMap, which was uh, a 15 minute gamified personality assessment, which uh, assessed uh, basic learning traits of how students learn um, and their social emotional learning traits. We uh, worked with uh, the number two industrial psychologist out of Bowling Green State University who uh, helped us format the, the, the personality assessment and, and, and get it accurate because we really discovered that Briggs-Myers was not accurate. Um, yeah, but we scaled out of that and uh, we had a private acquisition. Two of those co-founders went off to graduate from Y Combinator, which is an accelerator program out of uh, California. I ventured off into doing uh, holistic medicine um, because I've always been a big believer behind that. And that's when I started Native Hemp. Um, at the time, we were just a, a small uh, uh, company. We were, we were, you know, working with local farms, uh, buying out um you know, small amounts of flour and selling it to retail locations. We quickly scaled out of that into working with distributors. Um, now we work with well over 10 to 15 distributors and we're, you know, we have the large, we have a pretty decent amount of market share within the state of Maryland. I'd say we're one of the largest, if not the largest in the state of Maryland. Um, wow. And we also recently launched a beverage line called Zen Hemp Infusions. Um, which were, you know, you can buy it right now. <laughs> it's on our site. Go to zenhempinfusions.com and you'll see our Got to get the plug in. <laughs> yeah, you know, go, go, out, go out there and check it out. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about um, what you've been doing in the hemp space. So hemp, uh, honestly, is something that I don't know much about. Um, right. But there are different rules surrounding hemp than there are surrounding marijuana, even though they're very similar. So... How did you find this space and, and what have you guys been doing that's different than maybe something that people would be doing in the marijuana space? Well, Ben, uh, originally what we had wanted to do, what I, you know, what I had planned was I wanted to venture off into cannabis. Um, but there's a huge issue with cannabis right now. Um, the issue is that it's oversaturated with a lot of money. Um, and there's not enough of a, of a demand for it right now because it's so restricted by the states. Um, the only way you can go out there and purchase cannabis right now is licenses. Um, you need to have a medical license or a medical ID before going into a lot of the states that are not rec. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's a little bit of a process and, and people are pouring millions of dollars to, to a market that's, that's, uh, that's restricted. Now, granted, it's getting easier and easier to get licenses, but, you know, at the time, it, it, it wasn't as easy to get, um, especially when you're talking about the beginning of the green rush. Um, 
which was the whole cannabis craze once they started releasing licenses in the States and stuff like that. What I had wanted to do at that time period was, was do cannabis. And because of that, they kind of, uh, I kind of steered off into hemp because the 2018 Hemp Farm Bill Act passed. And that was basically an act that legalized, you know, hemp all across, um, you know, federally. So sure. basically due to the unrestricted guidelines, I wanted to enter into a, into a market where I wasn't capped off to just people who had licenses. I wanted to enter off into a market where anybody could buy my product. And, you know, that's why I started doing hemp. Um, now we are, you know, you know, with that being said, we, we, we are thinking about going into cannabis later down the road. Um, but we don't, we, we're not exactly sure when. Sure. So the hemp space to me is interesting because at, like you're talking about the, the 2018 farm bill that also included the use of CBD for a couple of different things right. with some, some rules around that. I believe it's, you can have a CBD product. I'm going to butcher this, but it has to contain less than 0.003% of THC. Is that correct? Yeah. So the specific cannabinoid that they're talking about is Delta nine THC. Um, which is a psychoactive component of the cannabis plant. Gets so, you high. Yeah, see, for, <laughs> for layman's terms, it gets you high. Um, yeah, so essentially, um, you know, that's that, that's one of the biggest things that that our government cares about is, is the psychoactive component. Um, obviously, you don't want people who are getting high driving on the street because it impairs their vision and it impairs how they think. Um, and that's the same reason why we have DUIs. Um, <laughs> Right. Same reason why we were not allowed to drink and drive. Um, but yeah, so you're right. A hemp is the plant that contains, it, it comes from the same plant. It, it comes from the same family as cannabis. Right. Essentially, it's genetically bred out. The best way to describe it, it's genetically bred out to have less than 0.03% Delta 9 THC. Sure. Okay. So talk to me about what you guys are doing with CBD, because I know that, you know, with that bill that opened up endless possibilities or, or close to endless possibilities, a lot more than you would see within the cannabis industry. Yeah. So there was a surge of a lot of cannabis, a lot of hemp brands during that time period. And even to this day, there's, it's very accessible to, it's so easy to private label a hemp and CBD company. Um, and, you know, we were kind of like, we were there, we, we were fortunate enough to start off in a time period where, you know, a lot of people hadn't entered the market. Um, and, you know, I think right now it, it, we're, we're starting to see a lot of the fruits of our labor. Um, you know, we're starting, we're starting to vertically integrate, meaning that we're having our own grow. We have our own grow in Northern, uh, in Northern Maryland. Um, it's about a 600,000 square foot grow operation. Um, and it, it's gorgeous. Um, a lot of people, it, that, a lot of people are doing private labeling and there's nothing wrong with private labeling. It's just that, you know, our company and what we stand for, we want our own um, genetics. We want our own formulations. We want everything sure. to be privatized and, and catered specifically to us because that's what we represent. Um, and I think, uh, you know, that, that, that's been a, that's been an exciting little process for us. Um, sure. So yeah. what CBD products are you guys currently selling and, and what are you looking into getting into so ben we don't we don't sell specifically just cbd products we sell broad spectrum products which cbd is one of the cannabinoids in um our flower we, so a lot of products that we carry that do contain cbd are our flower our tinctures our gummies um but they don't just have cbd they also have cbn cbg cbda um you know and, and, and thca they have Basically, uh, the full spectrum of cannabinoids, full spectrum of cannabinoids, except with the exception of Delta 9 THC. Sure. So if, if I'm understanding correctly, when you do something that has that full spectrum, um, I would imagine that's a lot easier to sell, but you're also getting other benefits instead of just saying like, yeah, I have like CBD gummies or CBD tincture. This is like a full spectrum of things that are going to have better effects on me supposedly right. so a lot of people work with cbd isolate which is the isolated compound of just cbd um cannabinol um cannabinol sorry i get i get messed up on that word um, <laughs> it's it's kind of a complicated word yeah <laughs> a 
I'm not really good with tongue twisters, never have been. <laughs> so, um, but CBN, CBG, um, CBDA, they're all uh, specific compounds that have their own benefits. Say for example, CBG, although I can't make any help claims, supposedly helps with pain and inflammation. Um, you know, CBN helps with, um, it provides the, the sleepy aspect that you get from cannabis. So you get a little bit tired. Um, uh, you know, a lot of my buddies right now in the, in the hemp game right now, they're, they're using CBN for, for kind of similar to kind of like NyQuil. Um, wow. It before knocking it out. Um, and they say right. it helps them a lot. Um, so yeah, essentially we, we, we have a, we have a broad spectrum of the cannabinoids and it brings you a lot of uh, benefits, not just the specific benefit of CBD. Sure. So I would imagine you, you also mentioned something that, that I think is really interesting, which is that technically speaking and legally speaking, you're not allowed to make any health benefit claims, um, as, as kind of a part of selling some of these products. Absolutely. Um, and to some extent, I do agree with that. Um, I believe that if, if something hasn't been researched thoroughly, then health claims and benefits should not be made. Um, and this is coming from a guy who is in the hemp and CBD industry. I believe that anything that we're selling to consumers, you know, need to go through a certain amount of testing before, you know, we're making claims and selling it off to consumers. Um, but yes, the FDA, um, states in their guidelines that, you know, we shouldn't, um, that we should not, uh, misrepresent what we're selling. Basically. Um, I'm pretty sure they have their own terminology of how they said it. I can't recall it off the top of my head, but it basically goes like, you can't say that your product does this, 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 um, in terms of health benefits for, you know, sickness, uh, mental health. You can't say that it helps your body in any ways. Um, and yeah, and that's basically the trouble that a lot of uh, CBD brands are having right now is 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 finding ways around that, because a lot of consumers do feel the benefits of CBD, um, you know. And you know, I have I have users right now that that are saying that it uh, it it helped their childrens with, with you know with 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 epilepsy and and seizures and stuff like that and you know they're they're consistent users of our product man and they they're saying it's life-changing and it's been life-changing for me too um so for a lot of cbd brands it can be a little bit troublesome when you're trying to market something and you're not necessarily allowed to state what it does right that makes sense <laughs> i mean you know coming from a marketing background myself right. when you're selling a product you're supposed to talk about the benefits. Mm -hmm. The features are not not important. You can mention a couple features, but really what someone is interested in is how is this going to impact me? How is this going to help me? And not being able to say, although we do have some evidence to that effect, we're not allowed to market that. That right. must be a, a really challenging job. So what do you guys do to market to not get around that, but to play within the guidelines and also be effective? So 90% of our business comes from uh, stores. About, I'd say 10% of it is coming through e-commerce. Um, so we haven't, and the reason why we first started doing this is I have a really good background behind retail. I always have. Um, I've worked with distributors in my pastime, um, you know, met with a lot of distributors and I figured this would be a really good approach to kind of bring it out. Um, so, you know, the, th the thing about that was that it, for us, it was a lot easier to market because we didn't have a lot of restrictions. When I'm selling to retailers, there's no one agency that can lock down everything, you know, that, that, that can say you right. can't market this way, that you can't do it that way. So it was a lot easier for me. And I had a lot more flexibility than a lot of e-commerce brands do when selling to, when selling to uh, direct to consumer. Um, sure which is what a lot of these retailers are doing. Um, so, you know, it, 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 essentially I, I had no restrictions that, 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 that came in play with our marketing. Um, in e-commerce right now, to this day, we are still having restrictions. Um, some of those restrictions, I can't do marketing on Instagram or Facebook. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't, um, even Google ads are restricted, man. There's so many platforms where that, that CBD is restricted on. And it's, right. it's surprising. And the reason is, is because it's considered a high risk product. 
it's a new product that entered the market. People don't know how it, you know, how it performs or how people react to it. And it's too early stage to, you know, really have any definite terms on, which is, um, which is unfortunate, but um, it, it is what it is. <laughs> and right. uh, it's what people have to work with. Sure. They can't market on social media platforms properly. And um, yeah. Well, you had an account taken down. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was a little bit of a funny incident. Um, there are specific guidelines that we're not that we're supposed to follow um, uh, in terms of Instagram. And uh, the thing was that uh, you're not allowed to sell your product when you're posting it. And that really doesn't make any sense because obviously we're going to post it to sell it. You right. know, Why else would you be posting about it? <laughs> yeah. So it was a little bit of a work through that we had to kind of do. And um, one of our guys, they, they ended up posting it. And uh, next thing you know, we're banned. So we're reaching out to everybody that we know. We know some people at, um, we know some people at Facebook and we, and we were basically, you know, trying to get our account unbanned and um, nothing came about it. And we were like, dude, it's only a couple thousand followers. You know, we can just mm -hmm. rebuild an account and, yeah, it's unfortunate that they won't even give me my username that I had. That's that's the most like they won't give it back. Yeah, they won't give it back and I can't get it back. So <laughs> that sucks too because when you're trying to create a brand um which you're trying to create several currently. Um yeah, two. Being able to have that name and that that across all platforms that consistency of the same name the same type of uh, the way you're spelling it and everything is really important, not only for what people are seeing, but also for things like Google rankings, your SEO, like that's, that's an important part of it. Yeah. And honestly, it hasn't hurt our SEO a lot, but you know, the fact that we lost, we had, we, we had a tremendous, we had a pretty good amount of, uh, I mean, you should know this when you're doing marketing and you have each customer matters, you know, when you, when you have a following of two to 3000 people and, they're looking at your post every single day showing you support and all of a sudden you don't have that anymore. It's just kind of like, oh, you know, now I have to build it's that different. again. It's like starting from ground zero. It's like they took your building down. You, you built a building and they took it down. They demolished it. Now you're having to build it again. It's, that is that that's an interesting challenge, too. And I think you mentioned something earlier that that piqued my interest, which was that you have regular users who are telling you and thanking you that. This is helping with my kids' epilepsy. This is helping with this. This is helping with that. And and this kind of a product is working for people. What can you do in terms of marketing around testimonials? Are there are there different rules around that? Are you allowed to talk about that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, one of the biggest things for us was we went through a rebrand. Um, and you're like, okay what does a rebrand have to do with marketing? It has everything to do with marketing. Um, yeah. Because I don't think marketing is is just strictly online. I don't think it's restricted to just online social media ads. I don't think that's, I think marketing is, is everything before the product is sold. I think uh, how people perceive your brand, how people look at your brand, um, when they see it on the shelves, what causes their eye to, you know, look at that product more than any other product. Um, right. I think one of the biggest things that we did was we went through a rebrand. Um, our old brand, it didn't look too appealing. It was hard to notice on shelves. And we went through a rebrand and dude, our, our, I kid you not, our orders, you know, went up more like they, they went up like 10 to 15 X in a lot of our retail locations, just wow. off the simple redesign. Um, that really helped a lot. And that was one of our biggest things. Um, you know, also another big thing that we're doing for marketing right now is um, we're selling at a bunch of dispensaries here in Maryland. Um, and we host a lot of uh, events at these dispensaries. Uh, this is a huge part, not just to the people who are using it for, uh, you know, for, for, for health benefits. Uh, but there's uh, some people that, um, that, um, that, that use it because cannabis is too strong nowadays, if that makes sense. I have heard that. that. I, I've heard that from some people that I know. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people who are going to dispensaries right now, um, a lot of, especially the elderly, they're used to smoking cannabis that is not that strong, especially in their days. Right. So when they're smoking, you know, something that has 
32% THC in is, is, is that, you know, chronic, um, as people <laughs> call it. Uh, it can, it can really, it can, it can be an, une- an unexpected experience for a lot of the, for a lot it's of, it's a guys. lot. I, yeah. I've heard that I've seen comedy skits about it. Like, like old people trying, you know, weed nowadays. And a lot of that is due to, you know, selective breeding, I believe where they've bred it so that it produces as much THC as possible. So the whole like adage of like, Oh, well it's not your grandfather's weed. Like it's true. <laughs> like it's not your grandfather's weed. But get this, a lot of our, a lot of the clients that go to these dispensaries are those grandfathers. So there, so now you can see the problem arising is right. now grandfathers are going there and they can't smoke that man. They're going to lose their minds. I mean, too much. Not really, but it's going to be a little bit of a of an experience for them, as I like to say. <laughs> so, and so I, a part of part of what you do also. So you're talking about hemp flowers. Right. So you guys are able to actually sell hemp flowers. Is it processed the way that they would process other cannabis for you to be able to smoke? Uh, define that. Um, are you able to roll it into a joint? Yes. Yes. You it are. Is. Okay. Um, it, it, it's it's the same flower. It's the same plant. Um, it's the buds, and we package into three point five grams. Um, very similar to what the cookies bags are, um, and it's super consumer friendly. Um, the only difference is is that this this specific plant um, we revolve our focus around health benefits, whereas a lot of uh, cannabis companies, on the other hand, are focusing strictly behind psychoactive. Um, right. So us, you know, this is this by doing this, we are literally tapping into an untapped market. Um, and sure. a lot of people don't realize it because we're just now really starting to understand, you know, after doing this for three to four years, not everybody wants to get high. Right. <laughs> you know, not I mean, a lot of people are going to dispensaries and and a lot of people at the dispensaries are, are are generally doing it just so you know they they can comfort themselves. Um, they can ease themselves by getting all the other benefits that the cannabis plant has to provide. Um, and we think that we're 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 their saving grace when it comes to that. And you know, and it it's it, it really benefits us too because you know as much as our consumers they're really good with in terms of bringing in revenue, it's also changed our company culture drastically because we've gone from, yeah, I work with, I, I work with a lot of young guys. Um, and I, myself, I'm, I'm pretty young. Um, as if you guys can already notice, um, <laughs> uh, but I think like, you know, this totally, this totally was like, uh, a, a wide open, like, um, eye opening experience as I'd like to say, because I was like, wow, well, we're really helping people you know? <laughs> right. Uh, and it, it, when you, when you have that and you have good company culture that goes along with it and you're doing it for a good cause, it, it really creates an outstanding company. Sure. Yeah. And I think too, it's really important that distinction that you made that not everyone is trying to get high mm-hmm. because I know a lot of people that, that are the same way where they want the benefits. Um, you know, they're used to maybe smoking, uh, weed and, and, you know, those cannabis products that are actually cannabis and have a bunch of THC, but you know, they might start to get older or that THC is starting to take an effect on them that they're like, I'm not really in it for the THC anymore. Um, and I think a huge part of that going forward to me in terms of marketing is cannabis is supposed to be sexy. It's marketed as sexy. It's marketed very similarly to how they market um, alcohol, in right. in my in my opinion, because what they're trying to do is take this product that's a little bit out there. It it maybe has some things that are going on that that might be beneficial, but those things aren't necessarily just like health things. It's like this is how it's going to make you feel, and you're going to have that experience, whether it's getting drunk or getting high. It's marketed. The sexy part is the experience. And I've seen some CBD brands and and even some full spectrum brands that will try and market themselves as sexy still, but I don't think that they're hitting the right market. To me, CBD and and these full spectrum products should be marketed the way that it seems like your company is doing it, which is that there could be benefits to it, 
you know, if you do try it and you do enjoy it and it does help you out, that's great. We're not going to specifically say that it is going to absolutely help you, but it's, it's going away from like the sexy, like green rush that you were talking about and more into like the, the naturalistic side of it, which I, I really enjoy. You know, that's really interesting that you brought that up. Um, because I have so many perspectives behind, you know, our branding versus other companies' brandings. Um, and I agree with you. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of brands are, are, are trying to look sexy. Keep in mind that a lot of brands, and when I mean a lot, a lot of them are making their, their, their packaging very um, kid-friendly, I'd say. Not kid-friendly, but very Gen Z-minded packaging. Sure. Today, or you know, millennial and Gen Z minded stuff. Um, I think when you look at the cookies packaging, if you know what cookies is, um, and could you describe what, what cookies is for people who don't know? So cookies is, is a brand that's really taken off in Los Angeles, California. It's ran by a guy named burner. Um, they're killing it in the, in the cannabis industry. And, uh, they have very bright colors. Like we're talking sky blue. There's runs which is pink there's pink runs and then there's white runs with sprinkles and they make it look like a donut and it makes their packaging reminds me of a lot of what the vape industry was um you know they wanted to look very delicious delightful and in that those are the people that they're targeting i think for us it was a completely different story because you know, not everybody, like we said, uh, yeah, our, our, a lot of our demographic is, is, is the older demographic. And, you know, when, when they're using our product, they're not smoking it to get high, man. Um, they're smoking it to, to relax. They're smoking it to, to, to feel all the other benefits of, of what cannabis has to offer. So, you know, our, our packaging in comparison to what cookies and runts and all these other brands are doing, um, alien labs and a few other guys, what they're, our packaging in comparison to that is, is directing is centralizing on, on, on the professional design, because that's what older people are used to. Um, they're used to a professional slick design. I'm sure we can, we can talk for hours about, you know, how to market to, to the older generation versus the new right. generation. <laughs> Well, I think but, what you're what you're hitting on too that's really important for me is you mentioned the vape industry and I was just about to bring them up because okay. there are a lot of similarities to what happened with the vape industry and what seems to be happening in some small parts with the cannabis and hemp industry. And really? so to me, exactly what you're saying is I've done case studies on this. I've, you know, had groups that I've talked to about this is the packaging is probably one of the most important parts of how the government is going to see and regulate your brand. And if yeah. you're Jewel, you're going to get in trouble because it's it's very obvious who you're targeting. So a company like Cookies uh, and, you know, getting into like runs and stuff like that, that could lead them down a bad path. And it's going to be fast, popular. It's going to get attention and it's going to get those Gen Z people. But you know, you could suffer from that success if you're targeting those kinds of people and those kinds of people are having adverse effects or the government is like, we don't really want those kinds of people and that age of people involved in this sort of a product or this industry, then you're going to get taken down. So I think branding yourself towards the people that are probably actually going to see benefits potentially the most from your product, I think is, you know, it's definitely going to be slower growth, but not selling out to me is more important for a brand like that, especially when you're talking about long-term growth. You know, Ben, you know, I'll say this, man, that's a very, very controversial topic, man. Like, especially when you're talking about our, I mean, and trust me, I'm appreciative of it, but there's a lot of people who would, you know, who would be great supporters of cookies and they'd be like, oh, that's not going to happen. Cookies is never going to go anywhere. Trust me, man, when you're a large scale disruptor, and, you're, and you have a pretty decent amount of control over the industry, people know this. And, you know, sometimes they, you know, sometimes people take action and that's what happened with Jewel. They did, they did notice and they did right. take action on them. They're, you know, they're, they're, the way that they were grabbing their audience, you know, the, the flavors that they were using, um, which was one of the primary reasons, you know, when you're, right. doing, when you're doing it like, um, when you, when you have, when you have things like gelato, you know, when you're, when you're, <laughs> but, 
it's just very, it, it, there is some sort of similarity when it comes to that. And honestly, I can't say what's going to happen to, you know, brands that, 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 that follow that similar marketing structure, because I mean, I personally don't have enough knowledge to go and speak on that topic, but it's, it's really interesting because now that you mention it, I am seeing a little bit of a pattern between the two industries. It's, it's there for sure. And I think the other similarity that I'm seeing that I think also has a lot to do with CBD and, and for sure the full spectrum products as well is that in terms of regulation, like we mentioned earlier, this is opening up, but in terms of people using it and actually getting benefits out of that, that is also happening. And I think we've had this stigma about cannabis products for a long time and it's still there. It's going to exist for a long time. But when you talk about hemp products, it's, it's like, you know, it's like cannabis, like friendly cousin. That's like, Oh, it's like not as bad as some people might say. And I've had, I have family members, I have friends that swear by CBD products. I have people who would never touch marijuana that take CBD every single day that I know. And, and, you know, it comes from these hemp products. I have family members who use different creams and oils and things like that, swear by them, would never touch marijuana. And I think that this kind of coming around that, okay, maybe there are benefits to some of these similar products. I think the hemp industry is probably accelerating the cannabis industry a little bit in terms of acceptance. It's no longer such a taboo thing that you're doing this. And I've seen a complete 180 with people. Um, so I think it's it's definitely becoming a more widespread product. In terms of your growth for your company, um, at your main company, I should say, what are you guys seeing in terms of growth, in terms of people um, using more of it and, and more people kind of coming around to the possibility of some benefits? So currently um, with our average dispensaries, we're taking about, I'd say roughly around three to 4% of the market share for their products. Um, of it is to other products like, uh, you know, THC, uh, majority of it is going to be THC based um, and it's going to be distillate based cartridges. It's going to be the flower that they carry. They carry a variety of different brands. um, And we're taking roughly around um, three to 4% of that. In some places we're taking close to five and 6% of their sales. Um, You know, this year we're, I think we're probably in about 10 to 15 dispensaries and we just started that a couple months ago. Um, so it's been very, very, um, exciting. Um, sure. Our goal is that we take, you know, we, we really want hemp. Um, and this is a little bit of a idealistic view, but we would want it to take about 10% of the market share of cannabis in the U S. Um, and, Right now, what we're doing is we're we're aligning ourselves to, you know, expand our our, our regional presence with all the dispensaries and recreational outlets. Um, And, you know, hopefully if we have uh, all the all the dispensaries on board by 2025, we'll be able to launch a pretty good marketing campaign that that revolves around what cannabis is, what hemp is and the benefits of hemp and, you know, Eventually, I mean, just to keep it simple, the goal is to take about 10% of the market share. Right now, we're taking 2 to 3% of the market share here in Maryland. Sure. And I mean, out of a market that potentially in the United States could be bringing in tens of billions of dollars right. within the near future, right. that's, that's a large amount of money. Yep. So what are you doing with that money that you're bringing in? And let's say you do succeed, let's say you have 10% of that market share and you guys are expanding. What are you looking into next? Um, our next venture, um, well, I, currently everything that we're doing with um, all the revenue that we generate goes back into expanding our brand. So we're centralizing our whole operation. We're vertically integrating with our farm. We're getting all of our carriers to be here in Maryland. Um, and you know we have some other strategic partners that we're trying to centralize as well. Um, that's been the bulk of what we're doing. Everything that's been the bulk of our operation is to, is to basically centralize everything. And that's been something that we're so close to. And two years ago, we were so far away from man. Um, right. So 
when you're talking about the sheer amount of volume, you know, we quickly went from, we quickly went from, you know, having little to no market share to in, in terms of hemp and CBD to, to taking over a majority of the market share here in Maryland. And now we're talking about entering into the market share of what cannabis is as a whole, which in my eyes is significant. It's an overarching goal that we have had, and it's a goal that we wanna have in the future as well. We wanna take about 10% of the market share for cannabis. And, you know, we've also done a lot of work with um, other programs like Last Prisoners Project. We've donated a pretty hefty sum of money to them um, in terms of, um, in terms, I believe their their program helps um, people who have been inc incarcerated for cannabis. Um, we think that it's 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 a it's an herb that that everyone should have access to. It's a it's a God given plant, and we don't think it's uh, anybody's you know right to kind of take that away from the people. Um, right, I so, think that's that's a big issue right now that's being debated, and and as I was mentioning earlier people becoming more comfortable and familiar with cannabis products and hemp products. I think this conversation has gone from like, you know, absolutely not never. And you're going to jail if you're found with it to we've had legalization in certain States right. to now realizing like we've put away a lot of people for a very long time for something that we might be within five years of completely legalizing federally. Right. I think, that conversation and, and talking about how people have put away is really interesting to me. And I think also politically, it's getting really interesting too. So with without getting political, without you know us talking about our personal beliefs, for your business only, in this election, what happens if either candidate wins? Are you guys going to change anything up? Is anything going to open up for you or is it gonna get more restrictive? Yeah, my personal views, um, just to keep it short and simple, I've never really, you know, been super political about stuff. I've always been very science oriented, statistical oriented, and I've been focusing on, you know, numbers and stuff like that. And it's really hard when, you know, I've been I've been able to step foot into. I mean, I'd say recently I've taken interest in the politics, but even that is not to a drastic extent. Um, sure. But um, yeah, hopefully the goal is if if. Uh, I believe if cannabis stays restricted, um, which one of the candidates is hoping, you know, to do, um, then it's not going to be as beneficial for us as if uh, cannabis becomes unrestricted. Uh, sure. If cannabis goes recreational, we have a really good amount of regional presence with retailers and distributors to where if we ever decide to, we can create a cannabis line and it would be a very similar plug and play situation to a lot of dispensaries. Um, sure. And we can control a lot of the market share of, of, of how we expand because our goal is not just to stay in type three cannabis, which is hemp. Um, mm -hmm. Our goal is to enter into types one and two cannabis as well. Sure. Uh, and we're hoping that the market goes recreational, so. Right. Yeah, yeah and I think for me also like cannabis has brought up this election cycle a couple of times it's not one of your big issues that like guns or abortion that everyone is going to like glom onto and it's going to be a focus it'll be a question in the debate but i can definitely see coming up if things aren't legalized before the election after that i can definitely see that being part of that election and and potentially a hot button issue and it's because of what we've been talking about, this ramp up that we've seen of people using products that are similar and kind of adapting their feelings around it, which I think is, is a really interesting space. We've done this on a couple of different things in the past. Um, some things have gone up and, and stayed there. Other things have kind of gone up and gone down. What do you see in terms of the future of the hemp side of this business? Do you think that it's going to expand or do you think with legalization, you guys might be in trouble. I think it's going to expand because whether, you know, what, what, whatever happens with cannabis or not, keep in mind that we're still unrestricted. Um, our product is unrestricted across state lines. Um, unless you're talking about CBD inside of food and edibles and consumables, which it's 
very restricted across state lines. But as of hemp flower, um, it's unrestricted across state lines. So it's been uh, extremely beneficial for us um, and the way that sure. we've been scale. So, you know, we think that we're still going to grow at the rate that we're growing right now, regardless of what happens to cannabis, whether it goes recreational or not. Um, because, you know, how we're, how our political system is, even though that hemp and cannabis are the same plant in the eyes of the government, they're completely, they're, they're two different, completely different products, right. um, which plays to our benefit both ways, whether the market, do I think that a lot more people are going to start smoking cannabis if cannabis goes recreational? Yes, they will. And do we think that it's going to dig into our market share a little bit? Yeah, probably. Um, do I think that we can adapt to it if it goes recreational? Absolutely. Sure. And I'm really hoping for it. You know, I'm hoping I'm hoping for a change like that. Um, yeah. But if it doesn't, regardless of which, we'll still grow at a steady rate. Sure. So. The legality of your company and, and other companies similar to it is really fascinating to me because of what you just said. It is the same plant, but right. the way that it's regulated, the way that it's seen, the way that it's used is really different in the eyes of the government. Uh -huh. So my question to you is if it looks the same, smells the same, and for all intents and purposes, when you're when you're viewing it or smelling it and experiencing it, it's the same until you decide to like actually use it. What happens if you get caught, you know, by like the police or something and you've got a big bag of what looks like weed in the back of your car? They would have to run lab tests to confirm that you're stating what you what you're stating is true. Um, fortunately for all of our drivers, we, <laughs> we, we keep a, we keep a written letter from our attorneys and we also keep our lab reports present at the time, um, of any transport, um, just to eradicate that issue. If it ever comes into play, because we know people get pulled over, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it would just be a lot easier to explain if you had everything on hand versus if you didn't, um, if you didn't right. for cops and officers at the time, it might look a little bit. Um, uh, it might might look a little bit suspicious. A <laughs> little bit, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think... like, there's no there's no real way to differentiate it until until you run the lab reports, man. And right, you're right. Like this is this is a concern that definitely should be bought up. But you know, I, I guess it hasn't been of significant importance. Uh, but. Well, essentially you would have to, they would have to get the, they would have to get everything that you're carrying tested and confirmed as to whether the ratio of it having less than 0.3% Delta 9 THC is true. And if it does, if, if it's less than 0.3% Delta 9 THC, then you're good to go. If it's not, then you're in trouble because that's, even if it's a little bit over it and your intent was to grow hemp, um, the thing is that it it, it turns into uh, a hot substance. Hot substance meaning that it has above 0.3% THC, and then you're in the realm of it. You know, you're at the risk of this product. You know, being now now being considered cannabis, right? It's not considered industrial hemp at that point. I so, mean, that to me is like the greatest PSA for anybody that wants to start growing hemp is. Do things the right way. Don't just like try and buy some seeds off the internet, set up your own grow shop. Cause I mean, you guys are really highly regulated in terms of what you put out. You're allowed to put out a lot of things, but what you put out has to be exact. Talk to me about how they go through that testing process for the products that you're putting out and, and now your beverage line that you're putting out. So how, how do we get our products tested, correct? Right. Right. So we batch test each one of our products um, at a third-party lab. Um, we make sure that the lab is certified. Sometimes we have to test each batch twice. Um, if, it's to, if it's with a new supplier, we take random samples. Um, and that's only if we're working with a supplier outside of our company because we don't know what kind of SOPs they have in place, we're not, which is exactly what I was telling you about earlier, standard operating procedures. Um, sure. 
if their standard operating procedures are, are, are not correct and, you know, they're growing a potentially hot substance, we're at risk for it and we're liable for it. So we, we conduct um, multiple tests for new products, for new suppliers, for everything that we do in-house. We get tested at a third-party lab and we get all the COAs and all the... We, we even go as far to do a full panel test with a lot of our dispensaries because our dispensaries require full panel tests, meaning that we, meaning that we test for metals, pesticides, um, and everything else to make sure that all of our plants are clear. Um, sure. And you know, that, that, that's the process of it. We, you have to find a third-party lab that, uh, that specializes behind it and get it tested there. Um, we follow MMCC guidelines, so we have to look for a testing facility located within Maryland that's on their approved list. Um, so we get it tested there and yeah, and our flower is, is good to go after that. <laughs> <laughs> so you've also come out with a beverage line. What has that process been like and, and how did that start? Well, this is an interesting conversation because, um, this is where, um, funny enough, our flower is our most legal product. Okay. And our beverages are not our most legal product. Okay. Right. So we're technically legal in the state, but we're not legal federally, which is the same okay. cannabis. And I wouldn't say that we're actually, I take that back. We're, we're not even, I wouldn't say that the, that the state, I would say that it's a gray area here in the state of Maryland. Um, okay. That's how we've been operating. We've been operating under the under the area that it's a gray area, whereas our flower, it's completely legal, which is really funny because, you know, you would think that the flower carries a lot more risk to it. Um, but yeah, we're market we're operating under a gray area here in the state of Maryland. And the process has been we're working with a, a, a packager who's um, who's um, approved by the FDA. He also has organic certification, um, halal certification, um, and a few of the certifications that um, that that really that, you know, they've been an outstanding partner of ours, basically. Um, and they're the people who package each one of our drinks. Although our formulations are private, um, which unfortunately I won't be able to you know talk about. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> we are secret ingredients, <laughs> um, but. Um, yeah, so our formulations have been private, but um, our bottler, um, you know, they're certified in the state and they operate under all the state's guidelines in terms of health and safety procedures. They have their GMP certification, which is good manufacturing practices. Um, they'll, and, you know, they, uh, they basically have um, also other certifications that make sure there's no bacterial growth going on in there. Uh, sure. or bacterial or, or any sort of viruses or any sort of uh, germs growing on in their facility. Um, right. So up. operating in this gray area, what is that like for you on, on a weekly basis? Are you worried about getting in trouble with things in terms of like legal trouble or, or, you know, going to jail or is it not really of interest to the state or the federal government to go after you? So, In terms of what we're putting in our drinks, we're less than 0.03% Delta 9 THC, meaning that we are legal in terms of the psychoactive components that are in our drinks. Right. Um, we get we get all of our solubles tested, um, and and you know we also have full panel COAs to confirm all of that. The issue is that once you put that inside of a drink or a consumable all of a sudden it becomes illegal. Um, Interesting. Right. And that's been our biggest hurdle is that when you do that, when, you, when you're putting anything inside of a consumable or edible, it is not legal. Um, now, I'm pretty sure that the, the restrictions aren't bad because there's plenty of unrestricted products that are being sold in the market as we speak. So for that reason, I'm not too concerned about it. And our goal at the end of the day is to, you know, br bring a really good product that we can get a substantial amount of market share for it that people just love, you know, that, that people love the taste for. And I know you haven't had them yet, man, but I really wish you had them. So you'd be able to go and, um, you know, give your, <laughs> but a lot of our consumers love our drink. Um, we are one of the best tasting CBD drinks on the market right now. Um, and, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, for, for, 
I'm not really concerned. Um, sure. Because when I get responses like I love your drink, when, when we have people who are supporting us, um, you know, it's, it, I'm not, I'm more, I'm willing to risk it for the biscuit per se. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, if, if you think that you guys are doing good and, and delivering a product to the market that's helping people yep. and you're seeing results from that, you know, good luck to you. We think it's worth it. Um, and you know, as long as it's, it doesn't become illegal in our state, um, we're, we're good. Um, it's, we don't see a reason to, you know, significantly worry about it. Um, you know, sure. until that it becomes illegal. Um, and that's one of the big reasons why we're hoping, um, towards legalization of cannabis is because we think that it's going to be a little bit of a domino effect with, um, people's perception behind, um, you know, CBD in, in, in um, food and beverages. Um, you know, a lot, I know a lot of big companies are looking into it right now. Ben and Jerry's has been looking into it. Ocean Spray has been looking into it. And um, we're just happy that we're, we're, we're taking the steps that people are too uh, fearful to make. <laughs> sure. Hey, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I loved having our conversation. Uh, this is a topic that I don't really get to talk about a whole bunch. And I think it's really interesting. So uh, I'm definitely going to need to come check out your facilities and um, hopefully we can have you back on in the future. Hey, man, we'll set up an arrangement. Anytime you want to come and visit our facility, you can get some samples of our drinks, man. Hey, it was a pleasure meeting you. It's my first time actually meeting you. So I'm sure we'll be communicating <laughs> from um, from here on out onwards, too. Awesome. Well, hey, man, thank you so much. And I uh, hope you have a good day. Awesome, Ben. Have a great one. Hey. Thank you for listening to my interview with Drew Patel. I hope you guys enjoyed that. We're talking about a very interesting product that he has and an interesting company. Um, I honestly don't have much experience in that industry, but I think it's certainly something that's growing, and I really hope you enjoyed learning more about it. If you would like to listen to some of our other episodes, you can go to our website, www.totspodcast.com. If you are listening to this podcast, please Go see my beautiful face on the YouTube. Our YouTube is at Tots Podcast. Please check us out. We have been filming all of our interviews. They are all fantastic. Chris has been working overtime, my technical producer. He's doing a great job. So please go check out our YouTube. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do that. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, even LinkedIn. Uh, all of those are going to be at TotsCast. LinkedIn is at Tots Podcast. If you would like to send me a message to come on the show, tell me what you thought about the show or anything else, you can do that at www.totspodcast.com, our website, or you can send me an email at marketwithben at gmail.com. That's where you can also talk to us about sponsorships. We do have sponsorship slots available. If you are interested in sponsoring the podcast, that would be fantastic. If you would like to support the podcast monetarily, that would be awesome. You can also find our Patreon to do that. We have some super reasonable tiers and every single dollar counts. It helps us to be able to afford the equipment to make me sound so good, right? <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We post every single Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I'll see you next time.